Hello, Freedom Guild fam. I am so excited to be bringing you a special episode today. Um, one of the very first podcast interviews that I did, and I am totally fangirling because it's a woman that I admire so much. I've been following her for a few years now, and it is Stephanie Trima. And Stephanie is the founder of Good Love Company. She helps women who have figured out life finally figure out love. She helps professional industry women who have amazing girlfriends, powerful careers, an amazing life, but haven't quite seemed to figure out romantic love yet. Stephanie is a self-proclaimed former dating disaster turned relationship expert and coach for high-achieving women. So I decided to allow my paid subscription members in the Luminary Group to have first access to my podcast interviews, my podcast guests. And so uh, these interviews are extracted from a Facebook Live video. We had so much fun. Stephanie and I talked for almost an hour. It flew by. And I was just so excited to allow my paid coaching members to get this raw, wonderful live interview happen in real time and not only to hear us, but to see us and really kind of be a part of the interview process. So if you're interested in getting first access to these podcast guests, the the Luminary membership is only $11 a month. It's a private Facebook group. Plus you get first access to me with business and mindset coaching. And you have an entire library, you guys, of resources and materials that I've made over the years right at your fingertips all for $11 a month. So with that being said, let's get started. And here is my interview with Stephanie Cherma of The Good Love Company. Oh my God. <laughs> How are you? Oh my gosh. I'm good. I like this child this morning. Oh my God. So we're good. We're here. Divine timing. Phone is charged. Yay. We made it. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Okay. So let's just dive in. I know you're like, what, nine months pregnant and ready to have a baby in two weeks? Nine days. Nine days. Oh my gosh. So not even two weeks. Well, thank you so much for <laughs> oh taking gosh. the time out for me. I really appreciate you. I'm so and excited. Know, yeah. And I know that some of these guests were just like dying to have you on and listen to what you have to say. Um, so tell me a little bit about you and what you do in the good love company and how that all got started. Yeah. Awesome. So I like to joke that I was a former dating disaster I spent all of my 20s making all the wrong moves, all the mistakes, and it was really painful and really agonizing. And I didn't understand because I thought that, well, I, I'm relatively attractive, I'm intelligent, I'm the total package, I don't get what's going on. And so it wasn't until I had this deep, profound moment of surrender and I, I had like a come to Jesus moment where I said, I'm willing to see things differently. I'm willing to look at what I'm doing wrong. Universe, rearrange this, present this differently. Like I'm open. And then I had this divine urge to quit my bartending job. Um, I was on my last leg anyway and get this temp agency to put me in this like warehouse. I, I remember thinking like, I need to work somewhere where I can't get in trouble. There's no alcohol. There's no temptation where I can just focus. And 
So they called me and they said, we have this, this gig for you. It's temporary. You start Monday. So this was on a Thursday, started Monday and I was assigned this job and I had someone assigned with me to help me do this remedial job. And that's the guy that I'm now marrying. So, oh, wow. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. After so, all these years of following you, I didn't know that. Yeah. So he was my like task helper. Um, and I didn't think anything of it at the time because he wasn't what I thought I was going to end up with. He was right. younger than me. Um, I wasn't even looking. And then we ended up getting together about a month later. And then I just never left. And so five years later, we're, you know, expecting our second child. And through my surrender and through his love and care and compassion, I really figured out, understood what I was doing wrong and then immersed myself in studying human behavior, identity work, attachment theory, why we do what we do in terms of romantic love and was like, I have to teach this. So the Good Love Company was born through my own healing. And here we are now, like three years later, helping women understand what their dynamics are so that they can have this really good, juicy, kind, connected love. So well, right. And that started with not just you saying, okay, I'm going to date differently, but really restructuring yourself and say, mm -hmm. what do I need to do differently about myself to have a different outcome in this situation, right? Yeah, it was all me. And it's very easy to go, all men are this. It's their problem. It's right. their loss. I'm amazing. When really... I was the common denominator. It was my issue. It was one lesson that took me 10 years to learn. And it was, in a nutshell, the image I was projecting was not a match for what I said I wanted. Right. So I wanted this monogamous, committed, kind, loving relationship. But I was behaving in a way that was essentially the good time girl, not to be taken seriously. The party girl. The party girl, very promiscuous. I was not uh, putting myself in a spot to be respected. Right. And that was the biggest lesson. And once that changed, it was, it was like it fell into my lap. So you also market yourself as working with um, high-level female professionals. So I always joke with you and say that I would be your ideal client because <laughs> I, like, I'm, like, figure, I've read what you, the person that you work with, and I'm, like, well, that's me. Like, I have my life together. I have two thriving, successful businesses. I have a beautiful daughter. I have a beautiful home. Um, but I've been single for five years, right? So tell me what drew you to working with people um, that are like me that either are successful in their business or successful corporately, um, but who just haven't found what they're looking for yet. I love that question. And I've never been asked that before. Really? So, yes. Never, <laughs> never, never. Um, I'm drawn to that woman because oftentimes there's this underlying belief that men are intimidated by them, that men won't be able to hold them, um, and then paired with the fact that they're so um, alpha in their ambition and their drive and their hustle that oftentimes there's a, 
a problem sort of turning that down a little bit to allow someone in. So it's like, I got to build, I got to create, I'm a powerful CEO, I'm this powerful woman, but men can't really handle that. They're intimidated by that. And I don't know how to sort of soften and allow someone in. That's typically what I've seen across the board. So I was going to say, because like me, I, I didn't just come up with that theory on my own that I'm intimidating. I've had men, multiple, multiple men say, well, you're just so intimidating. You just have all mm -hmm. these things going on. So yeah. are, are you saying that you, it is your job to help us soften, soften it down a little bit? I think that there's, when I say soften, a lot of women go, oh, I don't want to. I've built this. I love this. I support this. I'm not going to soften because people assume that that means dumbing themselves down, right. negating their success, trying not to be proud of it, almost to coddle a man. And I think that that's what we're taught in society that that means when really it's about learning the skill of saying, I can hustle and I can also be supported at the same time. And I think we're just right. not taught how to do that. So it's almost like breaking down that barrier of allowing people yeah. in, right? Well, and that is a good um, next question because I know that you talk a lot about intimacy and vulnerability and almost I feel like that has become an issue nowadays, not just with us, like with women, but society as a whole, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe technology, social media has kind of made maybe online dating, you can say, has made that an arm's length. I can just swipe to the next. I'm not really yeah. going to take the time to get to know somebody. Um, so what would you tell someone who is struggling with this and why is it important to kind of have these breakthroughs as far as like vulnerability? Yeah, hundred percent. Vulnerability is a superpower. It is not a weakness. And I think a lot of the times we're taught that vulnerability means presenting ourselves as weaker or, um, you know, not whole or that there's something, it's almost sad. We see a lot in our industry, you know, the crying selfies, the vulnerable posts. And I think a lot of the times people forget that there's so much strength in saying, I can have a business and I can have friends and an amazing life, but I do want a, a male presence. Like it's okay to want that. And I think we're so nervous to admit that because that would mean that there's something wrong or, or missing. we're not missing, we're not complete. And then that also puts this societal pressure that we're not enough if we don't have a partner. And it's really about just the ownership and admission that it's okay to want to curl up with someone at the end of the day. It doesn't, it, there's nothing wrong with that, but unless and until we own that fact, it's not going to change. And a lot of the times what I see with professional women is that they push that down by working harder and grinding harder and, and being more of the boss babe. And, and what that ends up doing is it almost sends out a confused signal to the universe because deep down, biologically, spiritually, emotionally, we're meant to pair, we're meant to connect. And so right. denying that is I think a bit of a farce because we may not want someone right this second. Not everyone is looking actively, but at right. the end of the day, I just don't believe it when people say, I don't need a man. I don't need anybody. 
Right. I think we would all deep down love someone to just have dinner with and connect with and merge with. And I think that when we continue to ignore that and push that and, and, and say, no man's strong enough for me and all the little lies we tell ourselves that are trying to comfort us, we just prolong the journey. Right. I can attest to that. So, um, you know that I teach a lot on mindset and Mm -hmm. I teach obviously the business aspect of your mindset coming, but how much of what you teach has to do with, like you said, not sending out that confused signal, not saying that every man is bad and getting your mindset right to allow that to happen. Yeah. How how much is mindset? It's almost all of it because I could teach you tactic. Like I could, I could tell you, here's how men think. Here's how to ace a date. Here's how to send these witty texts. Here's how to avoid being ghosted. But if your underlying belief is such that, um, like the one of the most common one is, is men aren't strong enough or more capable enough to handle me. If that is true, deep, deep down, one-dimensional tactics and self-contortion could land you a date, but it's not going to get past that because you will radiate and operate from that belief system. So what I do with women specifically is I go, what do you believe to be true? Honestly, if I were to ask you, what do you actually believe? And a lot of the times I hear, you know, I've been burned so many times, I'm just over it. Um, All men are blank. I'm terrified my last relationship will repeat itself. There's, oh, I, it's right there. So what I do is I say, okay, well, what would it look like if we just sort of took that out and put what you would like to believe? Wouldn't it feel better to go, there are men that are so capable and excited to be with an ambitious woman. That feels good. But then part of us goes, ah, that doesn't exist. I don't believe that. So that means I haven't found it yet. So it's not for me. Right. A lot of the times I get women that are like, well, men wouldn't want me to make more money than them. Men wouldn't want, they, they want me to cater to them. It's this very archetypal belief. And so if that is true for you, then that's what you will recreate over and over and over. So it's always, what do you believe to be true right now today? And what would you love? to be true. And then I help them kind of merge that so that they can have that curiosity. Like, well, if that was true, how would that feel? And then the journey really starts. Well, and that's all about manifesting this scenario that you want, right? Mm -hmm. Because first of all, we have to believe it. I mean, I teach this over and over again, and a lot of times it's in business, but it's the same thing. You have to believe that it's it's possible, that Mm -hmm. it's for you, that it could happen to you, and then you have to kind of rearrange things to make that happen, and then you have to get in that belief. You have to visualize, you have to feel it, you have to enable that and unlock it for yourself, but you can't do that if you don't believe it, and you can't do that if you can't feel it. A hundred percent. And it's, it's really also about 
I, I teach women about getting out of the outcome business, which a lot of people are like confused because of manifestation. We're supposed to visualize where we want to be and, and be that person. But there's also a part of surrender that comes oh, into play. Oh, you have play. to let it go. You That's have to. That's the number to. one thing that I teach my clients that are like, I'm doing all these things that you told me, and <laughs> I'm holding on to it, and it's still not happening. I'm like, because you got to let it go. Yeah. You can't. It's like you said, like, you don't know where you're going to meet them. You don't know how they're going to behave. It's probably going to look nothing like you mm -hmm. envisioned. Yeah. And you have to let the universe do its work. And when mm -hmm. we hold on to something so tightly, we're doing the opposite effect. Yeah. We're having that fear of like, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. And that's really deep down saying, I don't believe that it will happen. Because if we did believe, we wouldn't hold on so tightly. Right. Right. Um, okay. So what would be the number one thing right now, say for me, if you're talking to me as your ideal client or someone listening to this podcast, when this episode goes up to someone who is single and looking and really wants to be in this life altering, beautiful relationship, what do you feel like their first step other than hiring you? Maybe that's your, <laughs> um, but what is their first step that they can do right now for themselves? I think the first step is, is to really accept that this is something that is, is true for them. I think a lot of the times we spend so much time um, wistfully wondering or, or going, well, it's never going to happen, these sort of self-deprecating things. So the first thing I would say is I, I would get to a space where you could say, you know what, I may not see it right this second. I, I still may be doubtful, but there's no reason why this wouldn't happen for me. That would be the first thing. We, we have to be willing to go, you know what? It can happen. Like there, there's no reason. I, I always joke that the universe doesn't go, you can have it, you can have it. Nope, Monica. But you not, you. <laughs> not you. There's no reason. And then the second step would really be to take an honest look and in inventory of yourself and perhaps spend some time looking at what are my specific patterns. If I were to line up the last five relationships I've had, and I were to literally get out a pen and paper, and I give this, this assignment to private clients, and you write down like Tom, Bill, Dave, whomever, and go, what happened? What was his part? What was my part? What did I learn? And start seeing what the actual pattern is because so many times we haven't sat down and said, okay, so it looks like I constantly attract this type of person. It looks like I respond to these people in this way. It looks like this is the common emotion that I feel in my relationships. When you can actually look at that and go, oh, Okay, so this is actually what the energetic property of my relationships have been. Now I know where I'm starting from. Because so often we just think it's a numbers game. I just got to keep putting myself out there. I'll just go on date after date after date. But if you don't actually know what you're doing or why you're calling in a similar energy, then you're just going to keep repeating it. So I love doing exercises where you actually take a look at what is the track record? What's the pattern? What's his part? What's my part? What's the most common emotion? That's a great way to start. 
Right. Okay. And then um, I also like to tell people and their mindset and their business and their relationships and their friendships, all of this is intertwined, Mm -hmm. right? Like you can't have a successful business if you are so tormented in other areas of your life. Um, You can't have a successful household if you're constantly running yourself into the ground, hustling hard in business, right? Mm -hmm. So how would you, what would you tell other people, whether they're in a relationship or not, how their romantic relationship affects their business, their parenting skills, all, it bleeds all out onto the other things of their life, right? Yeah, 100%, because it's not just romantic relationship. If you have a history of having men walk all over you, then you are most likely in the archetype of the people pleaser, the doormat, um, and that lends into being walked over by clients, potentially not being as big and bold as and strong as you want to be. We, we behave in ways that give us a payoff. So if you've been in situations where you haven't had the space to claim yourself or, or, or be who you want to be, that will bleed out into relationships. It'll bleed out into potentially watering down your message. It'll bleed out into calling in clients who are kind of a pain in the butt. It, the way we behave in, in one aspect is how we behave in, in everywhere else. Relationships are not just romantic, and business is relationships. <laughs> Absolutely. So, do you feel like if I, if anybody, um, in business, especially with if they're you know struggling in one part of business, for example, for the longest time, I struggled with vulnerability. I'm like, mm. people don't need to see that. Like, you know, I've got it all together, and I finally started coming out of my shell especially with the program that I just launched. And I really started talking about what I went through. Very emotional, right? Very like hard to break down um, to get to where I'm at today. And um, I've probably had one of the best launches I've had in a while because of that vulnerability. Yeah. And now I feel like, okay, that didn't kill me. You know, like I was able to embrace that and put that out there. And it didn't, I got a lot of backlash. I had a friend of 20 years make a snarky response about oversharing on social media. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it was beautiful and it was good. Mm. And I saw a lot of positive interaction for that. So now I feel like because I did that in business, I can kind of take that over and do it in my personal life, right? Yeah, 100%. It has to start somewhere. It doesn't have to start like you took an inventory of your life and made one little tweak mm-hmm. and it blossomed from there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I think that, you know, the, the friend you're talking about that really kind of stuck with me because all you did in, in that scenario was reflect to her an area that she might want to look at, but is probably too afraid to do because when we have, deep-rooted identifiers about ourselves. Like if, if, if we have been praised to be tough and strong, if, if we grew up with moms who said, you know, we got to be tough and strong or, or, or some type of dynamic, and then that has been something in our lives that has proven to be 
a necessity, an identifier, part of our core. And then someone who we've been along the ride with for 20 years goes, actually, what if I, I did something different? It then signals to her that everything she's learned about tough, strong, keeping it together, don't share too much, is now kind of on its head. And so now she has to go, oh, okay, is it safe for me? So right. you gave her a gift. She may not see it because the first time we, we get our own identifiers rocked a bit or, or triggered, as the coach land loves to say, <laughs> our immediate response is to hold on tight because it, it's almost like a tribal thing where it's like, no, 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 no. Because if that were to be true, then everything I thought I knew is now different and I don't know who I'm going to be. It's all about who we think we are. Well, and right. And a lot of this stuff, I know our own experiences have to do with the way that we play out relationships, mm -hmm. but oh, yeah. I'm actually about to teach this way in depth in the financial prowess class I'm having um, about money beliefs. A lot mm. of our beliefs about relationships aren't just because of what we experience. It's because of what we've grown up with oh, and yeah. the environment that we grew up with and the things that we watched growing up. That's how we've oh, learned yeah. some of these behaviors, <laughs> right? So I'm, I'm asking um, that, or I guess I'm just relating that because you brought that up. Um, but that's something you work with too, right? It's kind of uncovering all those things that were learned behaviors or what you saw growing up to kind of release some of that, right? Oh, 100%. There's this beautiful concept called attachment theory where it talks about how we were as children, because as you know, from zero to seven, the brain is so malleable and we just pick up and have learned behavior. So if you grew up in a household where parents were fighting all the time, your brain goes chaotic love is normal. So what ends up happening is as you go through adolescence and high school and college and you get into your those years where you're, you're meeting people, you start to subconsciously attract roller coaster relationships, chaotic environments, people that will mirror what you grew up with. And the agony is we don't often know that that's the case. Right. So for, for me specifically, I, and I've said this numerous times, my parents split up when I was a baby. All I've ever known were that my parents were divorced, but my mom was always in agony. And I didn't find out until I was about 18 years old that my father ended up having an affair with our live-in nanny and then married her. So what I learned was that men leave and women mourn. That was an instant identifier because I watched that. That was all I knew. So as I went through my adolescence and dating, and I subconsciously attracted emotionally unavailable guys who would want me physically but didn't want to connect with me spiritually to play out that archetype that men leave and women mourn. I deeply believed that and had no idea. So right. it's all about what you saw growing up. If you grew up in a really healthy relationship, um, household dynamic, you, you will probably see people that are in chaotic relationships and go, huh, okay. We all have our, our own backgrounds and our own stories. And a lot of the times 
learning that it's safe to love and it's safe to be okay. I had major abandonment issues. And sure enough, I would manifest guys that would completely play out to my own storyline. And I punished myself because I didn't know where I was operating from. Right. Um, So what would you say... I know that you work with people who are single and looking, but what would you say to someone who is in a happy relationship, they feel like they finally found someone, but what is the next step? What does continuing development look like? Because we can't just stay there, right? I always say you can't stay stagnant. You're either growing or you're dying. So what's the next step? What is personal development for someone who feels like they found their person? Yeah, I love this because that is so crucial. Everyone wants to have a relationship, but then once they get in one, they think all their problems are solved. But then really that's where the growth begins. It's about nurturing the relationship. And what I mean by that is you have to have a shared vision. So a lot of the times what happens is we meet someone, we have a chemical reaction, we're in the honeymoon phase, everyone's on their best behavior, it's so amazing and wonderful, and then eventually we get comfortable, the seasons change, relationships move a bit, it's it's natural, but we freak out and we go, it doesn't feel so good anymore. It doesn't feel like that. Amazing, so magical. So magical. And then what we do typically is go, oh, this must be bad news. I don't know. And then we jump ship. And oh, so I'm, I'm so guilty of that. Like the two or three month mark. And I'm, yes. like, I'm going to pull and- back. And what ends up happening is we think the next guy is going to solve this problem. I just have to get into another relationship and it'll be different instead of going I'm now in phase two. Phase two is kind of comfortable. You learn a little bit of habits you may not like. You kind of see people (laughs) when they're not on their best behavior. And so it's really about saying, okay, so what does this look like for us now? And relationships, to get to that pairing where you're like 70 years old and you're in the nursing home together and you're still madly in love is really about going, we need to commit to each other through these seasons because you don't want to be in the honeymoon phase forever. Can you imagine if every single person was drunk in love, nothing would get done. Like (laughs) society has to move. You have to learn. You have to have the first argument. You have to learn communication skills. You have to learn, okay, he really doesn't like when I do this. I really can't stand when he does that. Do we move forward together stronger or do I just jump ship? So it's it's about saying, what is our shared vision? If we want to make it, because I believe in monogamy, I believe in long-term, I think you can get married and be with someone forever, but it's about understanding that people are complex. We change, we grow, we have moments. We're not always on our best behavior. It's not always, you know, take out and Netflix. So what does that look like for you? Can you guys be friends? Can you actually connect? Can you hold each other? Can you lean into each other? Those are skills. And if we're not taught them, the immediate sign of conflict, we go, I'm out of here. And then we just repeat the cycle over and over and over. So it's about deciding every day. Like with my partner, there are days when I don't like him. I love him. 
but there are days where I don't like him. We have different views on things. We have different reactions, but it's about going, okay, is this my own ego bullshit? Is this my shadow? Is this a beautiful reflective lesson? Can his an agitation show me a part of myself that needs to be healed? And then can we just move to the next step? It's a journey. You don't want to just hop off the boat. You want to say, okay, I'm in a boat with you. We can either paddle together or I can paddle up and you can paddle down and we'll just go in circles. So it's right. about decisions all the time. It's about constantly looking at yourself. What is my part in this? Every time my partner drives me crazy, I say, okay, what is my part in this? What, how am I contributing to this energy and what can I do to lean in? And if you both do that, and it's a habit, it's a skill. If you both do that, you can ride the waves right. instead of just going, well, he's bugging me. I'm out of here. Because then you're just paddling in circles. Well, and that's a skill too. Like that vulnerability of I'm going to stay here and not my best moment and not their yeah. best moment. And I'm going to stick it out. And I'm going to quit that societal, I feel like is a problem, behavioral pattern of what's the next best thing. Yeah. Right? What is the next best thing? Um, and again, that is a lot of, I would say that that is some uncovering beliefs for some mm -hmm. people, like saying that, oh, these people are just looking for the next best thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like really we've kind of created that scenario with some of these things and that people are just so easily able to jump ship um, yeah. instead of grinding it out into the next season, to the next phase, like you said. Um, yeah. I, last question, because I know that there's other people, I think, at least struggling with this, but I've seen you talk about this, and it actually just reminded me, because I just got a notification, but what would you say to people about online dating? Because I know <laughs> even still, it has such a stigma, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you met him on Tinder? Like, why is there still in 2019 such a stigma about online dating? Yeah, the online dating thing. I mean, you know, I'm so strong about that. There is this notion that it's not real if you don't stumble into a bookstore and meet a guy or you don't meet at a coffee house or through friends. Like, for some reason, we've been made to feel that meeting in real life is not the same as meeting on an app, for example. Sorry, there are sirens. It's um, but really, this is not the 70s, right? So, <laughs> so, so back in the day, you had to go to parties, you met at work, you met through people. It was a very tribal thing. And so it's been ingrained in us that we are tribal people. We need connection. We need to merge. And so what's happened is that as evolution and technology and society has changed, our in real life scenarios have also changed. So right. most of us are probably looking at this through a phone. We have our phones with us all the time. It's just a different time. And so I think we sort of get like, well, there's something that's a little bit less than if I met at work, but I met on Tinder. And that's really your decision to go, who cares? Why would it matter? If, if you went to your best friend and said, oh my God, I met this amazing guy. 
oh, it's been five years. Like, I'm so ready. This is amazing. I feel so good. Do you think she would go, okay, but like, ew, Monica, like you met him on an app? Or do you think she would go, that's amazing. You deserve it. So it's, <laughs> well, most of my friends would say that, but you still have those people that are just like, oh, you met him there. And I have noticed a trend even lately where the other side of it, whether whomever you date, even men are just like, so why are you on here? It's almost like they have a stigma yeah. of a female being on there. But I tell people I work alone. Like I'm self-employed. Mm -hmm. I'm a single mom. I don't get a whole lot of time to go out into the world mm -hmm. without my daughter. Yeah. So where where would I meet people? <laughs> I, I think it's it's almost like everyone has this silly embarrassment, but no one really should be. And I think right. it's up to us to just like, say screw it. it. Like, like it's if sure if if people are thinking it's an elephant in the room, then then that's fine. And and I I get that because when I was on online dating, there would always be guys going what are you doing on a site like this? But you can go to a bar and have a guy go, what are you doing in a place like this? Right. So what difference does it make? I, I think that we may feel a little bit weird and sometimes with weirdness, it just kind of comes out. I think people are awkward. Not everyone has a finesse with their words. Sometimes it's just a classic introductory line. And I think that... The, the downfall of online dating is that people have become so susceptible to options and choices and, you know, we can just swipe and, and delete and unmatch. And it's a very anti-human way to connect. Like, can you right. imagine going to a party and re in real life? And going, you and I don't connect. I'm going to move you physically out of this house. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, so it is a little odd. Like, sure, we, we, can, we can understand on, on a societal level that connecting in a way where we, like, pick and, and move and X and unmatch, it's odd. Like, biologically, it's a strange thing. But we live in a world where it's a different time. We, we have all these options. So it's really your decision. You can go, this is awkward and weird and I don't belong here. And that's totally fine. Or you can go, well, you know, I, I work by myself. I work in a very different space. I'm on my phone. And I always say the same example. If you're amazing and you're wonderful and you would date you, you can't be the only person that's like that on the app. It 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 almost comes across a little self-absorbed when people get very like, ew, online dating, because isn't the point to connect? Like, who cares? It's it's you have to decide that it doesn't mean anything. We create context and we create meaning. I loved online dating. It was the best. It was super <laughs> fun. And back when I did, it was when you had to like use a laptop, like plenty of fish where you had to log on. And I just think at the end of the day, we spend so much time worrying about what other people think right. and worrying about pleasing. And, and you know what? You need to put your foot down and say, it's, it's almost 2020. Like, think about it. This is the way the world is. I can't be the only one. The stigma can end with me. I can decide 
Because so many women, especially my clients, are like, I'm so proud to say that I'm a Bumble success story. Like, let's let's flip it. I know my best friend met her husband on Tinder. My other best friend who's in a three-year relationship (laughs) who lives with her boyfriend met him on online dating. And it's just so crazy to me how there are so many success stories. But then you still have people saying, oh, well, that's weird. So I just wanted to put that out there because I know someone else might be in that space where they're like, oh, I have to do this online dating thing, but it doesn't have to be a drag. Like, no, make it a beautiful thing. It's we can make it a bun thing. Right. Yeah. I it's literally like shopping for men. Like, (laughs) why not have like, why not have a bubble bath? Get your phone out. Think of all the like things you would love to create and just go, okay, universal catalog. What do we got? Like, this is fun. It doesn't have to be like shameful. You can decide. I, I, if I were dating now, if I were single now, I would love it because we can take all the control. We can decide we make it what we want. So it's not a bad thing. And if you have people going, that's weird that they're just reflecting their own insecurities back at you. Right. Right. Okay, ladies, if you, if the couple of you that are on here have any questions, now oh. is the time to type them out. And Stephanie, let me know or let our audience know where they can find you. So if anybody wants to follow you, the Good Love Company, where can we find you online? So the new website will be rolling out at the end of October. It'll be called thegoodlovecompany.com. I'm so excited for it. You can find my podcast um, on iTunes, search Stephanie Cherma, and The Good Love Company should come up. Um, I'm searchable on all social medias. You can find me on Instagram at Good Love Co. And of course on Facebook, Stephanie Cherma. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> oh, I'll put, if you write that to me, I'll put all of your okay. links in the show notes yeah. so you guys can scroll down there. Um, but thank you so much for joining me. I am so glad that we've got to be able to do this. I know. I just and, adore you so oh, much. Well, same girl. And I'm so excited for your new little baby and everything. And when you get ready... Talk to me about prices, girl, because I might be your next client. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm i so excited. Monica, you and I have been chatting and following each other for a couple of years now. So right. it's truly been my honor to be able to do this with you today. I know we had a couple glitches getting here, but <laughs> I really hope this talk was valuable and, and important for your audience. And like, thank you so much, truly. Oh, yes. Thank you. Okay. You take care of yourself. Okay, love. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for joining me today with my interview for Stephanie Cherma. If you want to find more about Stephanie, please see the show notes for more details and links to her and her services. Be sure to rate, like, and subscribe so that you can stay tuned for all the other exclusive interviews coming your way.